Shopify Masters is powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, and anywhere in between. To get an extended 30-day trial, visit shopify.com slash masters. It's all about imagining. You want your customers standing in front of your products and say, oh, you know, I see myself using this. Hey, my name is Felix. I'm the host of Shopify Masters. Each week, we learn the keys to success from e-commerce experts and entrepreneurs like you. In this episode, you'll learn how to test if you have a viable and profitable product, how to identify the most important features to showcase in your product videos, and how to improve the conversion rate of your email sign-up pop-ups. Today, I'm joined by Gene Wu from Q Factory, the makers of Q bottles, which are designed to be the best-looking collapsible water bottles that is both functional and fashionable. And it was started in 2016 and based of Emeryville, California. Welcome, Gene. Hi. How's it going? So, yeah. So, first question. You know, I think um, I think that that describes your product. Uh, but can you talk to us a little bit about the the customer base? Like, who is your your target customer? Uh, sure. So let me uh, start with um, uh, my uh, bottles, my products. So we designed the, as you said previously, we designed um, the best looking collapsible water bottles um, in the market. So um, our water bottles are made of 100% um, uh, FDA approved uh, foot grade silicone, and there's 100% plastic free and eco friendly, and they are capable capable of collapsing to half of the size to save space and it's designed specifically for travelers and outdoors um, so you know as, um, as you can see our customers are uh, f- mainly for travelers and um, outdoor activities and people that have an active lifestyle got it now where did the idea behind this product come from yeah, there is actually a story to it. So um, we, I started a company with my partner, who's also my husband, um, Kevin, and we were both um, uh, frequent travelers. We really love to travel and go outdoors. We love to, to go to national parks and music festivals. So we're out, out and about um, uh, a lot of the times. And we just realized that we just uh, we don't have a good water bottle to bring with um, with us every time we go. Um, all the traditional conventional water bottles are either heavy or bulky, um, and they're just not traveler friendly. And, and then we researched more on the market to see if we can buy something, and we just couldn't find anything we like. Um, all the collapsible or portable water bottles on the market right now are either not attractive looking or not as functional and not really high quality made. So we were like, oh, maybe we should um, make something maybe just for ourselves. So that's kind of how we started the idea is just to make something. I think it's like a lot of the stories of Mm -hmm. other um, businesses and the companies like you wanted to make something just maybe just for yourself. Maybe you have this problem and maybe other people uh, have the same problem too. So, um, so then we started the design process. We, um, just we want we came up with the initial look that how we wanted to look like because we do believe that um, the design is important um, for for products like how it looks um, because when people um, are introduced um, to a new product for the first time they they care about the looks like for the most part um, so when they first see it, it isn't 
is it going to be something that's attractive to people? Um, so, so we started that process and we, um, and then we just, um, start working on it more, um, over the time. So I think we spent like over 12 months just in the initial design process to make sure that we got the look that we want and the material we, we got into manufacturing too, to source the material, make sure it's, um, eco-friendly and meets the standards and safe and it's flexible so that it can compress. And and we went through all of that, yeah. And then we we made the prototype. Got it. So this is lots of kind of skill sets that are involved that would contribute to creating bring a product this to to the market. So what's your what is your background? What is what is Kevin's background? How did you guys know what to what to do? And yeah, that's um, that's also um, a lot to share there. I we both um, came from completely different background, um, which is no surprise. Um, so I I came from the film and TV industry um, at a time uh, we were actually um, still located in uh, Southern California in LA, and I I was in the film and TV industry. I work as an assistant to uh, producers. So what I did was I. I work on different projects and movie and film projects and, um, and, um, I, um, I help put together the budget and casting and things like that. It's kind of like running a, a business, running a company. Um, and Kevin, he, um, he have, uh, he has a computer science, uh, degree. Um, he graduated from UC Berkeley and, um, so he was uh, a software engineer, Got it. So no, none of you have experience no. in creating physical products. So you mentioned that this initial stage of design and getting the, the manufacturer, getting the raw materials together took about 12 months. Uh, mm-hmm. Can you break that down? Like how much time was spent in design? How much time was spent in sourcing the, the material? How much time was spent in looking for manufacturers? Yeah, so I think uh, th- there's a little tips right here is you kind of have to do everything um, parallel, um, not do one thing and um, do another thing after that, because then you're just going to prolong this whole process by a lot. So what we did was when we are still working the design, we are also looking at the materials and um, talking to manufacturers. Like we do everything at the same time. Um, and um, for the design, it took us uh, about six months to so Kevin like we 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 would both like sketch it out and um, do multiple iterations and um, just revise it and until and do a digital rendering all that um, so because we didn't have the background so we 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 learned everything ourselves like how like how to use Photoshop in Design Illustrator like you you started to learn how to use all those tools yourself um, and. Um, and that at the same time, um, so deciding on the material was pretty quick um, because we know for sure that we didn't want to use plastic because our company promotes um, reduce on plastic uh, consumption. So we we would not use any plastic for our products. Um, and um, to find like a material that fits, then uh, you know it's not hard to find like silicone as the new uh, trendy. 
um, eco-friendly material that's the best uh, for this product on the market right now. And then uh, for for manufacturers, like we also that that took another six months to finally um, come to an agreement. Um, you know, figure out the costs and the process to make a prototype. And uh, uh, of course, you for for this uh, specifically products, you need to make the mold first, and there's like cost involved. So yeah. So I, I would say like that's kind of like the breakdown. Yeah, that, that that that's important. Where you mentioned that you do everything in parallel and don't mm-hmm. kind of waste too much time waiting to do one thing at a time. I, I think in your case, you mentioned that the design or the material actually um, is was easy for you to choose because you knew that one of the core values of your business of your product was that it was eco friendly. Um, but now between like design and sourcing and manufacturing, even though you kind of have an idea of what you wanted. Wouldn't you have to kind of revisit certain stages every single time you decide to make a tweak in the design? You might have to look for a different manufacturer or maybe look for a different supplier. Did you have to kind of do this juggling act? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's uh, that's most that's pretty much anticipated. Like you, you most likely would run into this problem, these kind of problems to go back and forth with your manufacturer. I don't recommend switching manufacturers um, just because something didn't go as you expected. I would recommend sticking with the same manufacturer and just work something out with them because um, you know every pretty much like they're all similar and it takes a long time to to win trust and to get the communication like smooth mm-hmm. out so you don't want to start from scratch and talk to a brand new comp, um, manufacturer company so what we did was um, at first you know they rejected the design because they d- didn't think that was possible of course because they've never met this before this is completely completely something new um, so they were like you know they don't think they would be able to produce these and manufacture for us um and then we we, we went back and and tell them um you know we we really thought it would be possible and um so could you just try at least try it for us and we would we are responsible for the risks if it didn't turn out the way we want so you, you know we did a back and forth with them uh for a few rounds until that everything was um done the way that we want Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So over those twelve months, how did you know when it, when you found the right, the, 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 essentially the finished product, the product that was ready to go to market? Um. Yeah. So that's um that's an interesting question because the truth is you don't know. <laughs> so I think the point is the key is um to know when to stop because honestly, like um lots of entrepreneurs are perfectionists like they you never think it's good enough like you never think you're ready that happens to many many of our friends and the people that we know that also wanted to um have their own business or work on their own ideas is um they never they're never ready they just don't think that they can launch it or um they they um they are to the point yet um but you know that that is not necessarily a good thing because then you would it, it's just going to be forever and forever means it never happens um so i i think the point is to know when is the right time um and for us i think it's just the moment that we look at this so you know, we, we made prototypes and we made those samples and we got the samples in hand and we look at them. And we're like, oh, wow, we really like these. 
Mm. I think, of course, they're not perfect yet because we just don't know. Um, I mean, we don't have the user testing done. We didn't. We just didn't have the market proof yet. So, but I think um, it's just our instincts, like our guts, were telling us, "Oh, I think like people are gonna like this." So that's when, um, and we did some basic user testing, of course, like for for bottles, you need to make sure like they're leak proof and the you know collapsing is easy. And it's not weird in any way, like, you know, it's not malfunction or anything. And then we were like, okay, so we, I think we can go ahead and just with this, this, um, phase of samples. Got it. So what was involved in getting that, that market proof that you talked about and, and validation? What did you have to, what did you do to test to see if it was a viable product? Yeah, so um, that was quite a journey for us. Um, so we, um, what we did was we launched a Kickstarter campaign for our um, bottle. So I think that's, um, so Kickstarter, first of all, I, I want to say Kickstarter is a great, it's a wonderful, wonderful platform for people who just want, you know, like I said, like for people that wanted to bring their ideas to re- uh, rea- reality. Um, and um, it's a great platform for people who just wanted to launch their product and see, like do market testing, like see how the market respond to it. And um, a, lot of, a lot of companies actually take off just right from there. And I think we're one of them. Um, so we launched our Kickstarter in October 2016. Um, and we did, we did a 30 day campaign. I think it was actually 29 days campaign and we sold, um, over 30,000 bottles. Yeah. Just, just to give the, the, the numbers uh, over half a million dollars raised from over mm-hmm. 11,000 backers. And yes. yeah, you know, I think even in 2016, people were already saying things like crowdfunding is oversaturated. Kickstarter mm. has so many different products and a lot of products that go out there that fail and people it has like a bad taste in the public's, uh, you know, mouth with, with the Kickstarter campaigns, but obviously lots of success for you. What, what, what did you think you did differently to, to stand out in a very you know, growing and saturated market? Yeah, I think you were absolutely right. Um, I think it is true that there are just too many projects on Kickstarter and it's oversaturated and even overrated. Like people, it's it's a huge platform that has got huge following and traffic, but because of that, it's hard to get discovered. Mm-hmm. It's hard for people to really stand out and do well. Um, I think, first of all, for us, um, it was, uh, we we got a really um, unique product. I think that's the first for Kickstarter. You would you you gotta have to have a really killer product. Um, you know, either the product is unique and is new and special, um, or you present it in a way that is unique and attractive. So I think the key the, the key here is you're gonna have a really really awesome product first. And I think you you really need a really good campaign, like a well thought and well uh, laid out um, design campaign front. So when people land on your page and they they scroll through your campaign and they they see everything that you needed to present to them, everything that you need to convince people to support your project. 
Mm. Either that's image images, pictures of your products in detail, uh, detailed product shots, or um, a real an in, really interesting video. So I think there are some examples are like you know the I think um, I, I think you might have heard the the the, the purple pillow, the purple mattress. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so they also did um, a very successful campaign on Kickstarter. Um, I think around the same time that we did our campaign, um, um, they raised like maybe a couple of million dollars, and their video was awesome. Like really, it was a really funny video, and it was um, viewed and seen by tens of millions of people. Is that what you recommend? Uh, crowdfunding creators focus on is it the video? Um, the video is very important. I would say, um, yeah, you would have to have a very, very good video um, to really showcase your product. Um, that That is important. And then, um, again, the campaign page as well. Like, you need to have consistent um, images that look really nice and clean, and you need to um, write good content on there, too, to explain your products well, um, to make sure you include all the features and all, like, the... I guess the selling points of your product on the campaign page. Um, th- those are all very important. So if you actually look at Kickstarter and you actually go through those products, a lot of them don't. Like a lot of them don't have a really nice page and they don't have much information on there. And you know, you you just wouldn't expect that you will get a lot of support right. um, for those kind of products. Yeah. Did you do any marketing uh, yourselves or or any PR to drive traffic to the Kickstarter page initially? Uh, right. So yes, everybody was telling us about the PR when before we launched the campaign. They were like, "Oh, it's very important that you do PR release." So, you know, you create buzz or people will share you um, and you um, it's, it's important to grow your mailing list too. like if you drive traffic to your website or to to um, to your Kickstarter, then people would sign up for the early notification emails. Um, so then you, you will get the, you know, the momentum going. Uh, we uh, definitely did some PR. Um, so the, the experience was kind of, you know, a mix. Phil, so we reach out to um, uh, press, uh, uh, websites, and magazines. You know, travel for us. You know, we reach out to Travel Leisure or um, magazines like that, and we didn't really get much response from them. I think what happened was, um, you know, when you didn't launch your campaign yet, they don't care as mm-hmm. much. Like they don't know you, and they don't know how well you would do. There's not much to write about. They might. Um, take a note down and come back to you uh, later, but uh, you you wouldn't expect them to just write about you. Um, and um, we, yeah, and we did work uh, with like a marketing firm very very later on in, through our campaign. So initially, honestly, there there wasn't much. Like we didn't really do much PR. And what happened was once we launched our campaign, we not, we because our product was was um, really unique and fun looking. So Kickstarter actually put us as a project mm-hmm. we love, and that um, helped us get more exposure within uh, the Kickstarter website. And soon, you know, we reached our goal, and there were just more and more pledge, pledge pledges coming in. And th- I think. Maybe like after the first day that we launched our campaign, we got so many media inquiries. 
we we were shared everywhere. It, it just kind of happened. So Business Insider shared us, and um, uh, there was Digital Trend wrote about us, and you know Fatherly and Britain Cole, like all these companies start to write about us and, and share. Are they just going out and writing about you or do you have to do you have to be involved? Like are they reaching out to you to to get some information out of you? Like how do you how 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 much work is it on your end when there's all of a sudden all of this press that's focused on on uh, talking about you and your company? Yeah, so there are a few different uh, types. Um, for example, um, digital trends. Um, the the writer he's actually based in the UK. He's in London, and he actually personal personally reached out to us. I think he messaged messaged us on Kickstarter or something, and we scheduled uh, an interview just like this with with a reporter, and it was like a full on fifteen minutes interview. So that one was really really formal and really I guess like uh, detailed interview. And some other companies, some other media like Business Insider, they just kind of grab our video and um, edit it and and share it on their Facebook. We we didn't really have to like they didn't really reach out. We didn't have to like. Um, talk to them. They did message us. Yeah, they did message us on um, Kickstarter just for permission. Got it. But otherwise, it was obviously free press, free publicity, mm-hmm. and then not yes. just mm-hmm. and, and you know the pay for it, but then also free in your time because they're just writing about you guys without you having to do too much work on your end. You can focus on other parts of your business. So only so much you can do in terms of things like Kickstarter, uh, choosing you as a product that they love. But of course, you can do a lot of things to to position your product, position your campaign in a way where they want to 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 uh, promote your product. Um, now you mentioned photography and video. I, I really like the photography on, on the Kickstarter and, and also on your site. Is that all done in house? Like how, how how do you how does your product photography how's it how's it made? So that that's kind of like where my my background really helped us in this situation uh, because I came from film and uh, TV. Um, I actually went to film school myself. So yeah, we did um, a lot of them um, in-house, just ourselves. And I had a friend, um, he's he's a photographer, so he helped us a little bit on the project too. But basically it was done just by ourselves. Well, that, that's that's great then. So w- based on what you've seen, uh, your experience and also what you've seen with other, either in Kickstarter or other just, you know, shop, other entrepreneurs, other stores, what mis- what mistakes do you see other store owners or other, other uh, creators uh, making when it comes to the videos or, or photos that you think uh, they uh, could improve on? Um, yeah, so um, I think one thing is they overcomplicate complicate things, um, being like the video is too long, like the video should never be over two minutes. Like, you know, some, some of the videos are longer if you have say like three, four products, that makes sense. For example, like Peak Design, like they're a great company. Mm-hmm. They're also in San Francisco. They launched like four or five different bags and they probably need a, a longer video to present them. But if you don't have that many, you shouldn't have like a really, really long video. 
and you shouldn't try to include a lot of things in this video. You should just have like one or two really, really strong statements in the video and you just over like you just show them like throughout the video over over again. So at any given point, uh, an audience come to a video and stop at any given point, um, the audience should be like for me like should have this should have seen like your product and know like what it is for um we've seen like some videos that are just like one minute in i have i still have no idea what this is for so that is that is not very good yeah you you don't want to do that i was gonna say real quick i think that the approach uh, when when uh, someone doesn't have this experience and they create a product video is that they think that the more information i cram in there the, mm-hmm. the better it is for for the audience but you're saying pick your core messages maybe one maybe two and almost repeat it right repeat it throughout the video so that anytime someone jumps in whether that be in the beginning middle or end they'll get the message yes that's absolutely right yeah got it now what about photography any tips there um, yes. Um, so photography, it's the same thing. You want to have a clean, nice, uh, positioned shots of your products. Um, you could, you know, definitely lifestyle shots are helpful, meaning like you have a model or you have a person with a product, um, in, in a very nice set setup, like a um, background, but, um, again, don't overdo it. The more that you put in, the more distraction that there is. So if you have really nice looking models or, you know, really like um, a lot of people in there, it might, you know, your your page may, um, looks more interesting, but it's definitely a distraction. So try try not to like put too, too much of that um, onto your campaign page. Yeah, you yeah. So always put the product as the the center of the focus and attention. Yeah, I like your approach of keeping everything focused, whether it be on your campaign page, whether it be on your your Shopify site or your or any site that you're mm-hmm. on, your yes. videos, your your photo. Keep it focused. Now, the question I think entrepreneurs will have at this point is, how do I know which product benefits or features I should highlight? I think it really depends um, on what kind of product you have. And um, I, I guess, you know, you as the owner of the product or as the owner of um, your store or your company, whatever you're making, you should know, like, well, like what you want wanted to know uh, you want people to know about your products the most um you know take our bottle as example our bottle is collapsible water bottle so that is kind of like what we're selling what, what we're creating and what we're presenting to people so we need to tell people all these use cases where this water bottle is very useful because everybody has water bottle you know water bottle is nothing new but what is new about your water bottle and why they should buy your water bottles Mm-hmm. So, well, when we when we take that into uh, um, account, um, then we would show a lot of shots that our bottles are collapsing. So, if you go to our Shopify store, you actually see like um, the image is con- it's like a a gif like we made like uh, the the bottle is constantly collapsing to show that oh to show people that this is what it's supposed to do. So I think this can apply to any kind of product that you're selling, whether it's apparel or uh, furniture or elect- electronics, like anything. You you just show people that, 
look, you should buy this because this does this for you. Got it. Now, did you did you pick the did you guys did you feel you guys picked the right benefits right from the beginning to highlight, or did you change this, or did this evolve over time based on you know testing or talking to customers? Um, yeah, so definitely we we didn't get it right, you know, um, at the very beginning. It's a process of try and error for sure, um, because you you wouldn't know what works um, when you when you just first start out. Um, so over time, we we first of all we track our um, visitors and tra- traffic th- um, on our website and see you know where people look at where people click, um, and then we make adjustments. Um, so for for example, before like the features, um, we we were talking about like you know it's collapsible and um, it's a water bottle and it's leak proof and blah 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 um, all those benefits. But we didn't include like the usage in there, um, so people would you know still compare this to like a bottle they use in the office, which is not this. This is intended for. This is really just intended for outdoors and travel. Um, so later we actually include um, the the different usages in there, like say, oh, perfect for outdoor, perfect for travel, perfect for gym and workout. So. I think that was really, really helpful, and we made that adjustment. I, I like that 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 you weren't just focused on the benefits of the product or the features mm-hmm. of the product, but what use cases. When can you imagine yourself using this product? Exactly. Oh, yeah. it's all about imagination. It's all about imagining. You want your customers standing in front of your products and say, "Oh, you know, I see myself using this, or I see myself having this one of these because I also do these kind of activities." So you 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 wanted to put them into the setting, so then they see themselves have this ownership of this product and then they would end up, you know, um, complete a purchase. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think one of the, 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 the magic of, creating these use cases and allowing your customers to imagine it is that sometimes they might not be a traveler. Sometimes they might not be someone that goes outdoors, but they want to be that type of person. They want to be a traveler. They want to be someone that goes outdoors and to, to have this kind of lifestyle, they think that they'll start associating your product with that lifestyle. And then that makes them much more likely to see the benefit and the value that, that your product can add into their lives by helping them create this lifestyle that they want. So yeah. yeah, and yeah, and our company—that's that's absolutely right. And our company also promotes um, sustainability, mm-hmm. so that's also a very, very big and important part out of a company because that's how we started the whole thing. Was we didn't want to buy disposable water bottles um, when we when we travel, but. Sadly, that's when people buy disposable bottles the most. You don't need to buy disposable bottles when you're at home, you know, in your living room. You buy them when you're at the airport. You buy them when you're at a football game. You buy them when you go to a music festival. And these places, sadly, are should be the places we care about the environment issues the most. Are the in the natures, you know, um, and and that's that's how that's a that's the most important thing. Um, and that's the most fundamental thing of our company. So we also include that we make sure we include that onto our website as well. Um, so for people that care, also care about environment and and are also environmental conscious, they would read these and they were like, Oh, 
this is what this product's for, and it makes perfect sense, and I want to support them. Mm, got it. Now, I'll talk a little about your website uh, because you, again, you've done a, a great job of highlighting the important uh, features and the use cases uh, of your of your product. And you mentioned that you, you, you're able to track what people are looking at or what they're clicking on to help you determine uh, what people value, what people, what's important to people, what kind of messaging is important to them. Do you, do you remember what kind of tools you use at that time, what kind of tools you use today to, to help you track the, this kind of data? Um, yeah, so, um, I think, um, I don't remember like the exact name, um, but, uh, in the early days we used a lot of Google, um, Google analytics. Um, and, um, I think that, that specific one was called heat map or something, Mm -hmm. um, that you can see like, you know, where people look at and click it. Um, and, um, other things, um, we, we do use some other tools and other apps um, within Shopify. Um, so we also use Privy. Um, it, it's a pop-up um, when people visit a web- website and you can set it for how long and then it, it will show the, the visitor a pop-up. Um, and I think there's also a tracking for that. Whoever, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah, I saw that when I was on your site uh, with the pop-up. What, what timing did you find makes the the, mess, the most sense? Um, you definitely don't um, show them like right away. Um, uh, we the we uh, the the time we said it was uh, ten seconds. So give them enough time to see what it is on the website, and then you show them. Um, when they are thinking about making a purchase. Mm. Now, when you, what kind of copy or what kind of messaging do you put on a pop-up to to improve the the opt-in rate? I think um, you know what we did multiple different um, versions and um, and changes. I think um, at the end of the day, again, you just be straightforward. Um, I think that's what a lot of uh, shops do is um, you just tell them exactly what you're offering you know, uh, sign up or put your email and you get 10% off. I think you just have to just make a very straightforward message on there. Got it. Now, what about the overall design of, of the site? Have you have you made any changes or alterations to the design of the site to improve your, your conversion rates? Uh, yes, absolutely. I think you make the changes to the site depending, really depending on um, your tra- like where where is your ma- the majority of your traffic coming from? So we realize um, more than sixty percent of our traffic were on mobile. So that tells us we really need to optimize our website for like to be mobile friendly um, because a lot of our visitors are on mobile. And um, first first of all, you know um, when you're on mobile, you don't want to scroll too much. Then people would just um, close or lose interest so then we go back to our website and try to make everything shorter when they're on mobile and and make the make the fonts bigger so it's easier to see Um, and also we add more pictures Um, we are actually going to make more changes to our website to to even put more images because that's kind of the thing that people do on mobile is to scroll through images and look at your products one thing I do see on your site now, I'm using you know, desktop, but I see that there's a you know a shop bar Instagram at the bottom too, which has uh, lots of photos of, of lifestyle shots essentially people using the bottles. Well, what application are you using for that? Um, yes, I was just going to mention about um, Instagram. So 
we do get some traffic from Instagram as well. Um, and um, so that app, I believe that was a free one. Um, I don't know. I don't. I can't remember on the top of my head um, at the moment. But I believe there are a few um, apps out there that you can. It looks like uh, four sixty. Is that does that sound familiar? Yes. Four sixty. Yeah, that's 460. Yeah, Got that's it. the app. I think there is another one uh, that that's uh, that looks better, but um, I think there there might be like a monthly fee or something. Um, but there are there are a few um, apps out there that you can um, integrate your Instagram onto your website. This looks great already, but I think a lot of it has to do with the the photography, the product photography. Are you able to pick and choose the the products that you want to to feature? Uh, or sorry, pick the Instagram photos that you want to feature. I think it just automatically uh, loads your feed. Um, but I'm I, yeah from uh, from your Instagram. But I'm sure that you can also um, choose which one you wanted to put. So you can yeah. It's customizable. Got it. And another thing I noticed on the site was a like a sales notification pop up. So whenever uh, someone makes a purchase on the site, there's a pop up that shows that that someone around somewhere in the world made a purchase. Uh, do you do you remember or do you know which app you use for that? Uh, yes, that's called FOMO. Um, it's a very helpful uh, app that we definitely recommend. So, um, so FOMO, you know, it comes from fear of missing out. Is yeah. they show people that who already purchased in, you know, two uh, uh, two, hour, two hours ago, and so the person have this sense of urgency to make a purchase, or are more likely to purchase because someone else made a purchase. Mm-hmm. And do you are you able to track the conversion rate from the pop up? Yes. Yeah. And you've seen that go up. It's very important to set everything on your website to be trackable. So that's the only way that you can know how things are performing and make changes to them so they, they perform better and improve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One, one, one thing that I've noticed on some sites is that they can go over, look, look overboard with uh, these kind of notifications, these kind of pop-ups where you see a bunch. Uh, yours is definitely not like that is not it's not annoying I, I, you know, I see every once in a while but it's not coming up that frequently mm-hmm. uh, what did you make tweaks there or do you make a conscious decision on how often or how soon this, this uh, sales notification is FOMO app pop-up shows up um, yeah so we did try a, a few times and um, you know you know the results we got was there wasn't much difference like showing more or showing showing less so um, you know, you don't want to annoy people. So if if it doesn't really increase um, the conversion or it doesn't really have any extra um, effects, then don't annoy people. Just do the, the minimum. Um, I think you're absolutely right. A lot of the websites, I definitely they overload um, the pop-ups and, and, you know, the notifications. And I don't think that's a good thing. I think you do, you want to keep your website clean and nice and uh, but at the same time you still have all the functions or um pop-ups that 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 can potentially help with conversion Mm -hmm. now today for people before people even get to see all of this on your site where are they coming from what's what's been the most successful traffic channel for you um, so um, that's a yeah, that's an interesting question. So before, um, so we right after our uh, Kickstarter ended, um, we were on Indiegogo for a, a bit uh, while we're 
building our website. Um, so Kevin's computer science. So he he basically uh, built our the the website ourselves. I mean, we we got a, a template, um, but we customize um the look and the layout so after that so once that was set up um we direct the traffic from indiegogo and kickstarter to our website so for a while our traffic was still organic from kickstarter indiegogo and just from google because people were still seeing our videos on social media like facebook and they would so pe- what people do is they see, oh, Cubato, and they want to go on uh, Google Cubato, and then um, our website will show um, on the top. And they will show. So mm-hmm. real quick right there. So were the, was this a, a Kickstarter video that they were seeing on Facebook, or did you create a, 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 a Facebook-specific video? Um, right. So it was our Kickstarter video. Got it. Um, but, but it was not our original video because our original video was about two minutes. That was way too long um, mm-hmm. for Facebook. So it was most, um, most of the time it was a business insider video that, that they created for us. It was around 30, 40 seconds. Got it. So now, now today, it's, is it mostly still organic or are you using any paid traffic uh, to, to drive uh, visitors to your site? Uh, yeah, so, um, correct. Um, so for a while it was organic and later, um, uh, we started to, um, run, um, uh, pay, just paid acquisition, like ads on Facebook and Instagram and our ads were performing, um, uh, pretty well. So we definitely got many sales, a lot of sales from, uh, from uh, Facebook and the Instagram, uh, promotional contents. And, um, and on top of that, we do have, um, we do still have organic, um, traffic coming in because offline we're also, um, going to trade shows and we, um, we also do wholesale accounts and we also like, we just got on today's show like a month ago, uh, because uh, we, we were placed in their holiday, um, gift shop, um, season, like, yeah, so, um, it was a combination, so it, it, it's not really clear like which one comes from because they all kind of affect each other. Um, so, um, and then we, you know, we have other partners as well. So it's all like all it's a mixture of um, of all these traffic together. Um, and for now, we we don't do. Um, very heavy on on paid acquisition because we still want to focus on organic traffic. I think um, for a business to grow like uh, healthy and um, just, I think organic traffic is also very important. So what we do is we would um, just work on our social media content um, and make sure that uh, when people Google us or search us or see us on the social media, they can see a lot of our organic content they would just have um, naturally have interest to check out our website or even buy our uh, water bottles. I see. So you want to focus on building um, <clears throat> your brand presence everywhere, specifically <laughs> on, on social media so that when people discover you, they they learn more about the product through social media and then eventually come onto your site. Is the content created, is that created in-house? Like what's the strategy behind what to, what to post on social media? Right. So yeah, we definitely still create, um, just organic, um, just original content ourselves in house. Um, and we also work with like influencers, um, um, like other accounts on, um, Instagram to do collaborations or do like, 
uh, like other kind of activities with other accounts. Um, and we, we, uh, we also do reposting other people's um, great. Like if we see like a, a picture that's really nice, we, we would repost it on our uh, account too. So it's like also a mix, a mixture of all kinds of contents. Mm-hmm. And are these collaborations, uh, what, what are they? Is it the collaborations on, on creating a, diff- a, a bottle specific for the influencer or are they helping promote uh, a, a bottle that's already on sale on your site or uh, already for sale on your site? What, what's, how do you work with the influencers? Yeah, so we we work with them, you know, depending on uh, the influence, kind of the influencers' interests, and uh, you know, every account is kind of different. We have different ways of um, collaborating with them. Some of, uh, for example, we work with some photographers, and they just simply um, focus on really nice imageries, like mm-hmm. pictures. So what we did was, oh, you know, they can, uh, we can uh, provide them products, and they can. In return, they can help us um, creating some really nice images with our bottles. And some other ones, you know, they wanted to be um, a brand ambassador, so they they like what we do as a company, so they want to promote that. And so they would share our company with their following um, to talk about our mission um, um, on the charity and nonprofits. Yeah, so the uh, photographers, they are are basically, you're trading the, the bottles, the products for, for amazing photography. And then you also have uh, brand ambassadors who are wanting to promote your products. So how do you evaluate whether an influencer is going to be a good fit or not in terms of actually being able to drive traffic and sales to, to your store? The, the, the answer is you don't really know. Um, you only would know like um, once you start working with this person or it's, it's all just kind of um, good faith kind of. Um, you can do um, some initial research on the account and see you know if they have really good content um, and you can even ask them if they've done this before. Um, and, uh, really like we do this for branding. Um, we don't really measure sales as a result. So, you know, here I wanted to say if, you know, to other entrepreneurs, if you merely wanted this to be a profit generate generating channel, then I don't think, um, it would meet your expectation that, uh, you know, that much because, um, it doesn't really directly translate to sales, but it's really like a branding and online presence kind of thing. So, um, so for that purpose, um, that's why we are open to work with anyone that thinks interesting and who um, have shown us their interest in working with Q Bottle. Got it. So it's not. It's probably not the best channel if you want to uh, drive traffic and sales immediately, at least in your case. Uh, but you're doing this more just to to get that exposure to to build more brand brand awareness. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Got it. Now the the product itself, a very beautiful product. Definitely recommend anyone go and check it out. Uh, the pricing for the bottle is twenty four ninety five. How did how did uh, you guys determine that the pricing for your products? Um, yeah, so um, there there are in the water bottle and the hydration category. So we kind of just do the initial um, research, market research and see what are the, the pricing with other brand, existing brands, um, established products, 
on the market right now um, and what is the average of that. Um, and also, uh, we because our material, we use silicone and stainless steel. So these two materials are definitely um, on the more expensive um, side of, of um, a material. Um, and also, we wanted to be able to provide really high-quality products um, that, that, that we want to make sure they are well-made and, and things. So then we can't really cut corners on the costs. Um, so the price point needs to be at a certain, um, a certain price, price point to allow us to do all that. Um, and, uh, so we found out, you know, the water bottles generally for, for a capacity of 20, um, 20 ounce, um, it's about, it's around, it's 15 to all the way, 15 to $30, like $30 all the way, depending on the material and, um, the functions. So then, um, we look at these and then we, we think twenty four ninety five for a 20 floor ounce bottle that's made of silicone stainless steel. Um, it's high quality, uh, well-made. Um, it's a very reasonable uh, price point. Got it. So between all the, the crowdfunding campaigns, it's about $1.2 million raised. Can you give us an idea of how much the company has grown since the, the initial launch of the business? Um, yes. Yeah, so uh, we have grown a lot ever since the launch. Uh, we, our sales has gone over 2 million, uh, to date. Um, and, uh, we, so we also, um, do a lot of offline wholesales and our, we have, um, uh, almost 250 accounts and we sell in 12 different countries. Um, and, uh, we are right now in, uh, a lot of museum stores and national parks, which are great, which are really awesome because, this is exactly what we want our product to be are to this, these tourist and traveler attraction locations where people can, um, where, you know, people really need this the most and they will be able to, um, take advantage of our products and the, you know, all the awesome features. Yeah. And right now we also have a team of five people. Uh, we have um, our marketing manager and account manager um, to um, handle all our um, marketing and uh, sales. Um, yeah. Got it. So what is, what is your, your day-to-day focused on these days? So um, we, I have, you know, for me personally as a co-founder, I have a few things that, um, you know, I kind of have to um, manage and um uh, and over, over oversee every day. Um, so um, the first one is, so I handle like a lot of financials and operations. I need to make sure that our company has got all the infrastructure and logistics that it needs um, to be in place in order to have um, a smooth um, daily operations. Um, you know, we need to make sure that uh, we handle the cash flow well, and um, we we are using all the tools and um, uh, services that pr- that are provided to uh, to us to make sure that we fulfill our orders and manage our inventories and things like that. Fundamental things like that. What kind of tools or applications do you use to to help run the business? Um, so, for Shopify for our store, 
ship station is definitely a, a must like it's a big one um we really like ship station i think it's a really great tool um to for to to manage orders and fulfill orders um it's it, it integrates all the shipping i mean major shipping carriers in the world and you can print out labels generate labels right on there and you can track the orders um, which is really amazing. And we were able to integrate, we were able to import our Shopify channel, our Amazon store, our like other third parties, blah, blah, blah. Like that's, um, so you can funnel all these channels uh, into one place and fulfill. So that's, uh, that, that was really, really um, helpful. So we use ShipStation for that. And we also use this other company called APC Logistics. They do international shipping. Um, which they offer really reasonable um, rates um, to ship all around the world. Um, so that was um, a, a really awesome service as well. Um, and, you know, other things like we use uship.com for our freight. Um, so in the case that we need to ship like a pallet or like multiple, you know, a big order, um, then we use that website to to get connected with uh, freight forwarders or freight carriers um, and it's really simple to use P drivers show up at our uh, door of the warehouse and pick up our um, orders and ship them out um, and so that's very reliable as well i think there are many so when it comes to logistics there are many many services out there that you can uh, utilize and uh, they are very very important um, to um, for the operations of your business Awesome. Thank you so much, Jean. So we introduced your, uh, you in, the, in this interview as, as not as the Q bottle, but as the, the company named Q Factory. So does that mean that we should expect more products coming in the near future? Like what, what are the plans for the business? Yeah, that was actually the second part I was going to say. Uh, for me, my role in the company right now um, on a daily basis, the second part was for to uh, for planning of new products, um, so you're you are um, you you are definitely pointing out like we are Q Factory. So as a company, as a factory, uh, we are um, we we wanted to have more than you know just a water bottle, more products, and we are definitely planning on um, designing, working on new ideas, designing more more products, and releasing and launching uh, new new more products and lines. Um, and all these products that we, we wanted to um, come up with or, or get our hands on are um, all about the same theme. So it's they are environmental friendly, uh, sustainable, and smart, innovative, and just have really stylish and nice looking designs. And uh, we cross categories um, so we can we might do all the way from apparel to backpacks and to home goods, um, all kinds of things. So we, we we would have many more exciting projects coming up. Yeah, certainly very exciting. It sounds like a lot of work, lots of uh, activities planned for, for the year then. Again, thank you so much for your time, Gene. So qbottle.com is the website, Q-U-E-B-O-T-T-L-E.com. Um, you know, follow along for all the other products that that sounds like you guys are coming out with, with soon. So again, thank you so much for your time, Gene. Thank you so much. Here's a sneak peek for what's in store in the next Shopify Masters episode. Make them really, really good at one thing 
And it might not include every single every single feature that our customers might want, but may better be really good at one thing. Thanks for listening to Shopify Masters, the e-commerce marketing podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs. To start your store today, visit shopify.com slash masters to claim your extended 30-day free trial. Also, for this episode's show notes, head over to shopify.com slash blog.